Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio and the world. Vegas Vince back in the house. Sales and marketing behind the eight ball. We're going back to our roots. We're going back to that quality of show that uh, pretty much put this show on the map in terms of badassery. Actually, I just ripped that line off from Oz Mail, but I like it. We're getting back to one of the core foundations that I believe that those of you who are going to succeed have to master, and that is being a contrarian. And we're going to tell you why. And we're going to be all over the board. And it's, it's a subject that we can't cover in one show. But I'm going to dish some really good dirt on the entire contrarian philosophy and what you can do with it. Back at you in a second. Radio in the world, what's up, peeps? My Vikings finally win a game. Well, I guess they beat Detroit. I don't know if that counts. So I got sucked into that, and uh, it's interesting because uh, one of the examples I'm going to be using in terms of this contrarian philosophy, which I might add um, the wealthiest and most powerful people throughout history have all been contrarians. We're going to go through that. Uh, But one of the great examples of um, exploiting contrarian thinking actually is um, the National Football League and those of us who like to place wagers on same. Um, And it's a great example that uh, sums up how you can make money by, you know, going against the asses of masses, as I like to say. Anyway, this is a show I've always kind of wanted to do. It's been difficult because the entire philosophy, a lot of people uh, equate it to just stocks or they equate it to... um, um, anarchy, or they 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 equate uh, the contrarian philosophy to somebody who just flat out wants to disagree with what everybody else is, you know, you know, going along with. Um, that's really not true. 
Um, I, I'm going to start with the premise that I have said from day one on my show. And that is that I truly believe that 95% of this population are comprised of what I call sheep and lemmings. And that's not a real flattering statement to make, but it's, it's true. And it's actually, the more I think about it, it's, it's, it's got some, um, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, that's just an opinion. But actually, when you start breaking it down, um, there's a lot of factual basis to that. Because as we are well aware, uh, there is a very, very small minority of the population that what? They control the majority of the money. I mean, we hear that all the time. That's, that's a known fact. I should have probably got a stat. But uh, let's put it like this, a very minute percentage of the population, whether it's two, three, whatever it is, controls up to 80% of the wealth. Um, it's pretty staggering when you think about that. Um, so that's not an aberration. Uh, that's pretty much been the way it's been from day one. And when I started thinking about that one day, I wanted to figure out why that was. Is it because there's just certain people that are smarter, doing different things? And then I started realizing the culture that we live in. And I remember growing up, um, you know, I'm not that old, but uh, 41. But, you know, we used to have, you know, the four or five channels. And then cable came along. And basically what's happened is we are now in a what I call tabloid media society and it's rather remarkable and it's kind of sad in a way but saying it a different way when I say 95 percent of the population of sheep and lemmings I mean flat out that 95 percent of the population is very easy to manipulate and often are and I think that goes back to just general human nature. Um, I, you know, I say the masses are asses, and and I and and I have little use for sheep, and I'm harsh on them because to me, they're the quintessential pipe smokers. They can't make decisions without getting validation from their uncle Charlie, their uncle Vinny, their mother-in-law their boss, the chick they dated in high school, and they lack individuality. They live, you know, vicariously through that cliché Jones family. They often live in gated communities. They often base their purchasing decisions on what the, you know, Jones family drives what the you know Jones family daughter you know wears, what Mr. Jones uh, you know does in terms of uh, which country club he attends, um, and I think I think it's human nature. I think it's wrong. It's not my human nature, but I think the facts speak for themselves um, that the vast majority of this population are in fact lemmings 
that find safety in numbers because they don't have the balls to travel and walk that road less traveled. It's called a mob mentality. I mean, you actually see. I mean, there, you know, there, there is actually something to that. There is what is called a mob mentality. You know, I, you can see videos of it. Starts off one or two guys, and next thing you know, the whole stadium's kicking the shit out of each other. Um, I have determined in life that more often than not. If you are a part of that pack, you're not living, you're existing. You are part of a clique that I don't want anything to do with, personally. And you will find very, very few wealthy, happy people that fall into that. And by saying that, I'm saying that the majority of the population falls into that category. And, you know, again, it's a place I don't want to be. It's a place that a lot of you have been your entire life. Um, You know, the Depression era mentality. How many of you knew old people that had more money than they could spend and they still clip coupons? You know why that is, don't you? It's because they grew up in the Depression era, and it was grained into their head, this, this lack you know, we don't have enough. We got a ration. You know, my grandmother was a classic case. By the time my, you know, by the time my grandfather got his shit together, he was a very wealthy man. He was a top-ranking member of the Teamsters. He ran a gambling club. He had all the money he needed. Grandma was still very frugal. Why? Because you know, boy, any time the bottom could fall out, or so she thought. Um. That's sad. She should have been able to go out and enjoy life and spend that money. So I was looking back, because I always talk about my old shows, and all my shows, and I got, I think I'm up to about 76. I go back and, you know, I was, I was listening to an old Richard Pryor uh, interview, or, or maybe it was Eddie Murphy talking about Richard Pryor, but it was funny. Um, he was so cutting edge as a comedian for his time. Um, and, you know, at some point what happens is you get the fame and the notoriety, and then you do what's called sell out. And, like, Rich was so brutally honest, that's why so many people loved him. I mean, he flat out said, oh, God, you know, is it money or integrity? Do I take the million dollars even though the movie I know sucks? And... I I look back at these early shows and I realize that this was some of the most cutting edge shit put on Blog Talk Radio. There has never been a show like mine. Um, I did the shows from the heart. I didn't have interviews because, as many of you have, you know, signed up for accounts just to tell me I'm the worst interviewer in the world, which I know. Um, you know, the information was excellent. I mean, the the one on classified ads was one of the best shows I've ever done. A lot of that early stuff was. Um, And I started looking at the common denominators there, and a lot of it had to do with contrarian ideas that actually work better today than they did back in the old days for the simple fact that nobody does them anymore. 
And before I did this show, I went back and I researched, and I think there's a show back from May 19th, you guys can look at the date, of um, 2009, and it was uh, called Cashing In for Cash for Gold. This is a long time ago. And during that show, I told all of you, that the entire cash for gold, you know, where you mail your broken gold in, I told you all it was a big scam, that you were getting screwed. And, of course, you know, whenever I start seeing, and this is what's going to lead into this whole philosophy, whenever I start seeing the masses of ads running, send your gold, send your gold, and I know how expensive these ads are, and I see full-page ads, and I see people, and you know, there's the sheep, now everybody's getting into this frenzy where we're sending in a girl. I know it's not the right play. So what I attempted to do in that show, and it pissed off the cash for gold industry, because I got a lot of hate mail for that show, but I was right. I said, I'm going to give you the name of refiners that actually they send their stuff to. And I, and I explained to them, you know, that when you send your gold into a TV infomercial type thing, you're not going to get screwed in the sense you won't get paid, but you're going to weep when you find out what you really could have gotten. So I actually showed people uh, how to use a gold scrap calculator. Um, I gave them a name of a couple refiners that would actually give them, you know, uh, you know a very, very true price, in fact, usually three times more than these malls and everything else. And I'm not, the, the reason I'm bringing this up is there was a point in that show where I think a question came in and it said, Vinny, what do you think of the metals and where would you go? And it's funny, I didn't mention gold because I've invested in all of these. I didn't mention platinum and I didn't mention silver. You know what metal I mentioned? I mentioned a funky metal that nobody talks about. And I believe I went to Kitco, and I had this written down somewhere. I believe the day I did that show, it was May 19th, uh, 2009. At that time, I said the play on metals, it's all verifiable, by the way, was a metal that I likened to a bastard redheaded stepchild. Nobody liked it. Nobody talked about it. Nobody seemed to want it. And that metal is palladium. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If you go back, and I had these prices written down, I believe the day of the show, silver was around 14 an ounce. It's now since around 20-some. Gold at the time was around 900. It's now 13. Okay, these are all nice moves. Um, platinum, I don't even remember. But do you know which metal has nearly tripled in value? So on a percentage basis, you would have made the most money from far and away a metal called palladium. Because as of the close, I believe on the 15th of October, I believe it was trading around $590 an ounce. Since gold has gone up, silver has gone up, they've, you know, they've all gone up, but since the date of that show, neither of those two metals have doubled. Palladium has damn near tripled. And, and that got me to thinking again, contrarian. It was a metal that had historically, 
at one point shot up to nearly $1,000, so it had history. It was a metal that, again, nobody talked about, and the public wasn't on it, and that is part about, that's, that's sort of the whole premise of this, is when the public is all over something, Vinny generally goes the other way, and I'm going to explain why. But it works another way, too. The, the public, the consensus, the sheep, when they turn their backs to something and ignore it because they can't see it, those represent great opportunities. So I'm not claiming to be some metals investing guru. And I'm not sitting here even telling you to play palladium at this price now. But the fact is, you, in this documented, you can go back and listen to that show. I personally said that the metal that had the most upside potential was a metal that nobody cared about. That was a contrarian spin. You have never heard anybody mention palladium as the play. I haven't. I've listened to all the, uh, you know, you know, the shows, and they talk about gold, they talk about silver, and to some degree platinum. How many times have you had somebody come out and flat out say that the play on metals is a metal that half of you probably don't even know what the hell it is? I'm not sure I do. I, I Well, I do, but palladium. And the results speak for themselves. Um, I actually got in at about 2.30, and um, not for a large amount, because I, I, I again, it's, it's just not my. I don't have the time to focus on the metals, and I'm involved in a lot of things. But at that price, in re, re, you know, relationship to gold and everything else, I said this is the play. Why? Because the sheep didn't want anything to do with it. When the sheep don't want anything to do with it, it creates value. All right, there's another show on there I did, and it was my lowest rated show ever, by the way. I went and looked at the stats. It's funny. It was me discussing what I thought was some of the greatest copywriting I'd ever seen for a product, and it was a product that had just come out. So, again, this could be a well, I, this, this is an old show, too, and I don't even remember the title of it. Um, I think it is. I can tell you the name of the product, though. It's called Fap Turbo, F A. B T U R B, and you'll hear me do the interview with myself saying this is a product that is going to kick ass, and I don't even know what the hell it does. It looks like it's a forex robot of some kind. I said this a long time ago, and it was funny because people, I got a lot of mail about that. Oh, no, that's, you know, what this or that. Well, let me tell you something. Here we are now in 2010, October. I don't know about you, but uh, Fat Turbo has been one of the greatest ClickBank success-selling products in the last year that I can, and, and, and the versions keep coming out. I didn't even know what the hell it was. I wasn't there to review the product. I took one look at the copy and I said, "This is a product that will sell." So, again. 
when I go back and look at these shows, I started I started thinking about you know this entire contrarian um, philosophy, and it, it it's something that I think a lot of you have got to get uh, a grasp on. Um, you got to ask yourself right now: Are you part of that Jones family? Are you, are you? Because let me tell you what what the quintessential sheep is. Um, again, it's all about uh, popularity. Um, it's it's about um, safety in numbers. Um, it's about third party validation. It's about allowing. Um, their personal individuality to be robbed of them because they need that validation. In other words, sheep listen to experts. Sheep listen to the news. Uh, the sheep stick together and the sheep get slaughtered together. I'm going to tell you who the ultimate contrarians were. The founding fathers of this country. I don't know if a lot of you know this or not, but these people were not poor. They had everything to lose. They had every. They could have played status quo, baby. They they were very wealthy people. Which brings us to another point. A contrarian, in order to to me live rather than exist, you have to be able to roll the dice. I mean, a life without risk isn't living. It's existing. And existing isn't any harder than waking up and breathing. Living is a whole different ball game. How many of you people out there are actually living? Or how many of you are uh, you know, looking across the street to see what your neighbor's driving? How many of you base your stock picks based on uh, what you read in the paper, which uh, we'll get into in a little bit, because you know, uh, the, the, the media... This is so funny. The media, this tabloid media society, because keep in mind, you know, we have 250 channels now. I mean, I do, at least on my dish. Uh, I hate to say it, 95% of you buy into it. You, you buy into the story on some level. And one of the exercises we're going to share later, and I've actually got a newspaper, Sunday paper, about three of them I just saved, and I just ripped out articles. I'm just going to, off the top of my head, show you where the gold is in these articles, because everybody else is going to read them differently. Um, and, and it basically is a, a contrarian approach. And, and stuff that Derek Ollie and I talked about on one of the shows about how to reverse engineer the Sunday paper. I'm going to show you guys how to do this, and I think everybody ought to do it today. You got the friggin' paper, do it. Simple. Um, you know. I think Helen Keller's famous quote I always liked was, uh, you know, life is either a daring adventure or nothing. And I think it's true. Um, I think in order to live and really, really become the person that you want to become, you have got to travel the road less travel. Um, another way of putting it is uh, Jack Trout uh, succinctly said, you've got to differentiate or die. There's a lot of people that are alive walking around out there that are really dead because they're not living because they can't. They can't because they can't make a decision. They can't take a risk. They can't um, be who 
you know, you know, everybody's got, uh, you know, born with this inherent talent somewhere. And boy, I, I you know, I, I live. I told you know, uh, Sylvia Roth's been down here. She's seen it. We walked through there with the, you know, there's a, a graveyard real close to this restaurant, which is probably the reason a lot of funny things often happen in this restaurant, uh, for real. Um, wine glasses that spin here and there and lights going on and radios going on that are unplugged and weird things have happened here. Um, I ask myself, when I'm looking at these tombstones, I ask myself how many dreams got buried with those bodies that were never realized because the person decided to conform because he couldn't break out of the herd. And it's kind of sad. Um, I think, trying to figure out how I want to start here, give you guys some specifics here. Um, I can tell you that one of the greatest ways to not lose money and or make money when we're talking in terms of contrarian investing is to ask the public what they think, figure out what they read, figure out their opinion of this or that, and then go the other way. I think it was uh, John, uh, excuse me, I'll mention John Templeton later because he's one of the greatest contrarian investors of all time. It's an incredible story. I think W. Clement Stone said on his deathbed when asked uh, about the secret to, to his success, he said, find out what John Q. Public does and go the other way. See, you know, the public, again, safety in numbers. If Mr. Jones does it, I do it. And, that, and, 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 it's, and, and it's a feeding frenzy, but it's not based on anything other than keeping up with the Jones family. So what you end up happening is things like the dot-com era, where everybody jumps in like a pack of sheep, and guess what? They get slaughtered. People talk about the Great Depression my friend, uh, the legendary marketer Jim Straw, likes to remind me that more millionaires were created during that so-called Great Depression than at any time in history at that point. Why? Because contrarians see opportunity where sheep see gloom and doom. Big difference. You can either find the balls and the courage to stand alone, walk the road less traveled, or you can do what, you know, the 95% of the population does, and that's join that 95% club. And I'm going to tell you something. Ain't too many millionaires come out of that group. Let's talk about the NFL, National Football League. I'm going to use this as a classic example. Um, I've always been pretty successful at beating the NFL point spread. And by the way, anybody tells you they hit 80% winners over the course of a year is full of shit. It's not possible. It's not done. Um, in order to make a very nice living 
in Las Vegas, you have to have a large bankroll, and you have to be able to turn it. And believe it or not, if you can hit 56, 57, 58 percent, you can literally grind out an incredible living. There's a gentleman in Vegas named Lim, L-E-M, banker, who I've had the honor of meeting, who has never had a job. That's all he does. Everything he owns comes from beating the sports books. And believe it or not, his winning percentage is a paltry 57, 58%. That means he loses a lot of games. Do you know what one of his fundamental keys to victory is? He determines who John Q. Public, when they pick up their paper, thinks is going to win the game. He likes to go into bars where you've got Monday morning quarterbacks, the sheep, and they're all saying, wow, you know, this team's a lock. They're going to win the game. And when you start hearing that, and then you, the media experts, they're all over a team. Let me tell you something. Occasionally the, that team might win, but over the course of a year, the public is wrong more often than not. So are the so-called experts. And the, the rule number one I would give you as, as far as contrarian uh, thinking is find out what the consensus, the, the general consensus, I can't say the word, consensus, Jesus, um, find out what, what the overall opinion is on a football game. Ask 20 people in a bar. Ask your cousin Vinny. Find out who they think. Oh, yeah, we love the Jets with six points. Or we think they'll crawl. They're only favored by six. Oh, they'll win. And I'm telling you, bet the other team. You think I'm lying? I'm not. It's been proven over and over again. Uh, the public only remembers last week. They remember the team looking good last week. You know, one of the reasons I did very well one year in Las Vegas was because I bet ugly teams. I bet teams that, that were horrible. I bet underdogs. I'll tell you why I bet underdogs. Because when you bet an underdog, two out of three things can happen, and two of them are good. You can either win the game outright, or your team can lose, but you still cover the point spread. And the main reason I bet these ugly teams is because I get value. You know, we're you know, look at the NFL, look at the parity. I mean, is there really one team fourteen points better than another? I don't think so. Look at the Detroit Lions. They finally won a game, but they've been covering the point spread pretty much all year. Now, conversely, look at the New Orleans Saints. You know? That's why the teams that win the Super Bowl are not usually very good teams to bet on the next year. Not because they don't win. It's because they don't cover the spread. Why don't they cover the spread? Because the spread's inflated. Why is the spread inflated? Because the bookies all know that the American public are sheep and they're all going to bet on the, the winner. Why? Because they won last year. I'm using this as an example because it's so true. Um, Figure out what the masses of asses are investing in. And then I would position myself to go the other way. Because, again, 
the public as a whole is usually almost always wrong. And over the long haul, in terms of, like, gambling or NFL handicapping, they are wrong. There's a small minority, around 5%, that actually make their living beating the NFL point spread. The rest of you are suckers. You like to bet favorites. You like to bet with your heart. You would never, ever think about taking some ugly team that just got blown out the week before. Why? Because they look like losers. I bet them because I'm getting more points than I should be. It's contrarian philosophy. Same thing we were talking about with the Palladium. Sitting down there at $225, nobody even talks about it. I'm looking at gold shooting up. I'm thinking to myself, man, this medal uh, a couple of years ago shot up to like 900 bucks. Why isn't anybody talking about this medal down here real, real low historically? It was down at one of you know, I'm thinking, wow, well, that would have been the play. Um, value investing is basically investing contrary, contrary rather, to the popular opinion um, because the popular opinion is based on manipulation, people. I, I mean, you got to realize something. When 95% of the people are running out to kill themselves like women did back when Tickle Me Elmo came out, that was based on manipulation. They had to have the Tickle Me Elmo. Why? I don't know. Because they love their kid? Yeah, maybe. But do you think maybe it had to do with the fact that Mrs. Jones was getting a Tickle Me Elmo? I talked about this on an old show. Back when that friggin' toy came out, I saw a classified ad, rather, in the paper where people were offering trips to the Fiji Islands for a Tickle Me Elmo doll. Women were literally kicking the shit out of each other in, in malls to grab this thing. It's a sheep mob mentality. Interesting. There's a contrarian spin there. Because I happen to know somebody who actually, and there are ways of going about this, we'll get into other shows, that actually had a little head start. Actually, it's a lady who had a product out that talks about this. Um, had the head start. She actually has a product, which what are going to be the hot products for the following year. Most of you don't want to think that far ahead, a lot of you. And I'm, when I say you, I don't mean my listeners. I'm talking basically the general public. Safety and numbers. The problem with that is these very same people that stick together, you know, like during the dot-com era, boy, when the bubble burst and the bow broke, oh, my goodness, did they come crashing down hard, didn't they? Man, Joe Blow, Mr. Jones is buying his and his brother-in-law, Alex Jones, is buying. We got to buy. And, boy... It didn't take long for that to bust. Boiler rooms. Classic example of an unethically, I might add, but a classic example of manipulating the sheep. If you ever saw, you know, if you guys caught my interview with Frankie DeBono, who was used to, well, probably is 
or one of the greatest phone closers who ever lived, at least according to Gary Halbert, who was probably one of the greatest copywriter marketers who ever lived. I interviewed him on my show. But one of the most um, credible ways to to prove my point is that a, bo- a good boiler room pitches the next great wonder drug. They get the excitement. They create the mob mentality. They open the door and people are screaming. That part is true if you ever watch the movie Boiler Room. That is true. These are techniques that were done. I mean, you know, there's a guy called the Wolf of Wall Street who went to jail for 18 months, uh, now a motivational speaker. Uh, He talks about this. Uh, What happens next? You know, the $1 stock goes up to 10 on this buying frenzy. And next thing you know, plump, the players start dumping and the stock plummets. Watch the original Wall Street. That's how it worked. Now, Jim Straw actually is a, is a guy who I actually told him to put the product back out on the market. And it's uh, it's a basically a way to work. It, it, he's made a ton of money. And it was basically, it's a product on penny stocks, but it's not what you think. And I'm not going to go into the details, but um, Jim does have a product on how to literally, you know, how most people like to hang up when they get that New York boiler room pitch back in the day. He'd actually take the call. He had a way of making money off it. Why? Jim was a contrarian. He knew what the deal was. He knew what the guys were doing. He got in early and then got out, and and it was brilliant. And he didn't care what stock was, didn't matter. He knew the game. He breaks it down. It's one of his products, and I don't even believe it's uh, very expensive. And um, actually, last time I talked to him, I said, Jim, why don't you bring that um, that uh, NASDAQ product back on the market? Because, quite frankly, even though we don't have the boiler rooms calling, we're still getting bombarded with you know pitches for penny stocks and everything else. And um, the philosophy works the same. Um, A contrarian is proactive, not reactive, okay? That means you go out and you have to set your own rules and terms, whereas 95% of the population reacts to what they're told. Big, big difference. Your marketing has to be proactive, not reactive. Sheep are reactive. The media is a major part of this. And the funny thing is, you know, we always always hear about the media, the left media, the liberal media, the conservative media, you got Fox, CNBC. I sit back and laugh at all of it because the truth of the matter is, it's a living proof. I think Dan Kennedy said it. You know, the National Enquirer outsells about every major newspaper combined. And I hate to tell you something, it's comprised of demographics that would blow your mind. It ain't just the, you know, dude drinking a big red can of Colt 45 sitting on his porch looking for aliens. No, it's you, it's me, it's, you know, it's Americana. 
But the interesting thing about it is, as a contrarian, rather than reacting to media, getting yourself pissed off Sunday morning reading some story, a true contrarian, first of all, figures out that it's basically all show business. I mean, the days that Cronkite and reporting news are gone, you guys don't honestly think we report news in this country anymore, do you? We manufacture it. Now, if you're contrarian, instead of reacting to news, you can manufacture it. And there's never been a better time in the world to do it because you got hundreds of news outlets now, online and offline, and they are desperate to make you rich and famous. But, but, but sheep don't think that way. Sheep buy into it. The sheep would rather, you know, comment on why Britney Spears shaved her head rather than uh, um, understanding that, you know, Britney is dumb like a fox. It was a proactive move to manufacture press. It worked brilliantly. Okay? The average sheep says, oh, Britney's crazy and, you know, this and this. No. Crazy like Fox, let me tell you. We are living in an age right now where you can get rich quick in America by being a contrarian. When you understand that the press, you can actually pimp the press people. You can manufacture. You can be a contrarian and manufacture press. I'm going to give you one of the greatest examples of contrarian thinking I have ever seen. And um, it was a show I watched about Bigfoot. And there is a little town. Now, this is my spin on it. But for any of you people working at Chamber of Commerces, and your, your membership is down or whatever, you want to talk about a, I'll just call it what it is, because you might call it black hat. All of a sudden, this little town is getting sightings from what appears to be Bigfoot or something. And I believe the show is called Bigfootville. I can't tell you what that did for the local economy. Now, you know what Vinny knows for sure, because I got a little inside scoop? It's 100% bullshit. You think that's one of the more brilliant ways to uh, uh, attract attention to your town or your city? Wow, Bigfoot sightings. Another lady saw them. And by the way, they weren't all lying. But see, it's like, you know, once you start looking for something in that piece of bread, you're going to see it. Once you keep hearing the same thing repeated to you, it almost has a hypnosis effect. So to make a long story short, there were people that probably honestly looked out into the bushes and thought they saw something strange. Why? Because everybody else uh, in town had. And it was a very, very brilliant manufactured way of manufacturing press and guess what we all did? Well, not me, but guess what the nation did? They reacted. Blair Witch Project was an independent film that, believe it or not, when it first aired, 
people thought was real. People honestly thought was real. The way it was shot, brilliant, they thought it was real. Once they figured out that it wasn't, it didn't matter. That the particular town that that movie was shot in got inundated with people spending money that wanted to walk through those woods. Don't ask me why. Think the Loch Ness Monster doesn't uh, bring in a little revenue for the people up there at Loch Ness? So when you're reading stories about the Loch Ness Monster, you can sit there and shake your head and say, oh, they, uh, uh, whatever. Or you can sit there like I do and say, that's brilliant. I wonder if we could apply that in another area. That's what the contrarian does. See, you read the story and react to it. I read the story, look at the big picture and say, well, if there can be a Loch Ness Monster, why can't there be a, uh, you know, El Diablo demon dog running the streets of Lake Wales? You guys understand? So again... Manufacturing media is not hard. To me, that is the future of press in this country. It's the quick fix. The days of these endless, boring, me-centered press releases are over. Well, yeah, I mean, they're not over because the sheep will still do them, and they'll still type them perfectly and you know, do you know, that one page and blah, blah, blah. If I need to make something happen... You can bet your sweet ass we're going to manufacture something. I mentioned to Stephanie, I think, over at WBE about a certain uh, stunt that I pulled uh, years back. Um, there was an adult film star, op- uh, excuse me, adult film star store rather opening, and uh, there were a lot of picketers saying, we don't want this in our town, blah, blah, blah. Six o'clock news came along at no charge, and, oh, by the way, those picketers cost my client about 50 bucks a piece, and we got four of them right from the local homeless shelter. Interesting, huh? The media jumps all over it. See, the media today has got to fill not one hour they got to fill 24 7 and they're and they're they're behind the eight ball all the time a contrarian can figure out ways to take advantage of it my my uh, former business partner sylvia roth is writing a book and it's a book i believe on poetry and other things now we know those type of books are difficult to get, you know, mainstream publishing appeal. But if she does it right, she will manufacture press, and it won't matter what's in the book. It'll be pre-sold. Ron Douglas, a great marketer, did a uh, webinar at thenetresults.com, which, which is uh, James Jones's site. Um, that's where I did my first and probably last webinar of all time because uh, – it didn't go very smooth, although sales were kick-ass because the product was great. 
and people forgave because it was me, and they know that uh, I can barely turn the computer on. Um, I'm going to give you some more examples. Anyway, in, in the case of like a book that you've been dreaming of writing, you write this book, and her her poetry is 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 is, I mean, it's it's, uh, boy, it's powerful. But unfortunately, trying to pitch poetry book or sell it is hard. My advice to her would be manufacture some press for yourself. The media is dying for a hook. And you don't have to go to them. They'll come to you. Just remember the Bigfootville uh, story. That was a... a um, <laughs> that might have been one of the most brilliant stunts ever because it sure jacked the local economy up there. Um, what else? Uh, stocks. I mean, there. I mean, we talked about it a little bit. What everybody in this world wants to buy is usually something you don't want to buy. Because when the correction comes and the bow breaks, the very same enthusiasm that led the sheep to buy the stock, based on nothing more than the fact that their neighbor was buying it and his neighbor was buying it, watch the crash come. It's not a crash, by the way. It's a correction. And by the way, the, the, the correction... The, the stock plummeting almost always plummets faster than it rises. See, that's the problem. The sheep jump in together based on, you know, so-called experts, based on, you know, the, the need to have others with them and the safety in numbers. And let me tell you something, they fall off the cliff together. There is one consistent thing about lemmings and sheep. They all get slaughtered in the end, and they all end up doing it together. And when they do, Vinny is the guy standing there selling them the imported parachute from China, and I personally don't care if it opens up or not, because they don't much care about themselves at that point. That might have sounded harsh, but that's what you've got to be. You can be a friggin' victim or you can be a victor. You know, it's tough to be a contrarian. And when I mean contrarian, I don't mean the type of guy that when a house is burning down, you decide to stay in there and, you know, weather the storm. That, that's not a contrarian. That's a dumbass. I'm talking about someone who recognizes that the vast majority of the people in this country are easily swayed by the media, their friends, their family, the Calvin Klein gene ad, and every other type of branded advertising, and they can be made to love a war, and then a year later they can be made uh, to hate a war. Um, they, they look at the press, and if they see it repeated enough, it must be true. It's the gospel. That's uh, If you continue to see a certain type of uh, celebrity wearing a certain type of designer jean that fits her ass perfectly, that's the jean you have to wear, etc. And see, the contrarian steps back and figures out uh, what the real deal is, and we don't get into the hypnosis, or as Glenn Osborne said, we don't let them into our head. We step back, and we actually 
realize that the media, in many ways, are sheep themselves. Once you fi- see, we all look like, oh God, I got to get you know. It's like you're talking to the president, man. I, the media only talk about me. Well, that's because you're doing. You're, that's because you're coming at them like a sheep, like a victim. And actually, they're slightly. <laughs> They're not much farther apart than the average sheep because you can go in and manipulate the media so easy it's not even funny. You know What happened to the good old days of the publicity stunt? You know who the greatest of all time was? P.T. Barnum. You, you guys should read. If, if you read nothing else, read him. You, know, you, you want to know one of the greatest, greatest promotions of all time that few people talk about because most people don't like him, but still the greatest boxing promoter ever lived, Don King. Do you know Don King got Muhammad Ali and George Foreman the highest purse in terms of money ever paid to two fighters by going over to a country in Africa and basically pitching the dictator who ran it, and I'm talking about the famous Rumble in the Jungle fight, pitching the Dictator that by bringing Ali and Frazier and this fight would be seen in front of the world, it would show his country in a better light. And, you know, brother this and brother that, and only as Don King can do it. And guess what? He pulled it off. He got those guys, I believe, $5 million apiece. And that fight took place in 1974. Brilliant. contrarian thinking instead of doing what everybody else was was you know god you know we know this would be a great fight but um oh by the way he did it in manila too fernan amel the marcos same type of deal interesting isn't it The good old-fashioned publicity stunt. A contrarian can open up a car wash. Dan, if you're out there listening from WBE, or you can uh, maybe one day have a big uh, car wash uh, with girls in bikinis, and now you have uh, you have gone from something nobody really cares about to something that is going to piss off a lot of people and get a lot of press. And maybe you only do it for one day. But now you're on the map. That's contrarian thinking. It's going against the grain. What else? Ignore the crowd, people. Listen to them. I'm not saying, you know, if if, 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 if 8 million people are buying a widget A, I'm not telling you... Not to buy Widget A, but I'm telling you that it is in your best interest to take a contrarian approach and figure out how to exploit it in a different way than becoming one of the suckers. Let me tell you who does it. The best marketing machine in in the world is the city of Las Vegas, Nevada, period, end of story. 
It's a city built in the friggin' desert. It was built by contrarians. It was something that no sheep would ever dream up. Guys like, you know, originally, you know, the mobster Bugsy Siegel. You know, he gets credit for being a mobster. He was a visionary. You got Steve Wynn right now, who in this so-called horrible economy with the highest foreclosure rate, by the way, Vegas is it. People always talk about how many people move there. They, forget, they fail to mention how many people leave there. But that still, you know, that doesn't mean anything. Steve Wynn's out here building another incredible casino called The Wynn. Just had two people come back from there. Said it was a nice hotel they'd ever seen. It was packed. They went and saw Garth Brooks. There's no clocks in a casino. Free drinks and beautiful women. Free meals. And a lot of suckers playing slot machines. And you know what the funny part about it is? The contrarian gambler, we go into the casino, we want to play to win. We hit and run. The sheep, you know what they want? They want to get comped. They don't mind dropping $250 in the slot machine as long as they can get that 99-cent breakfast or that $2 Las Vegas steak, which is tougher than a fight with, uh, you know, Brock Lesnar in the middle of MMA. Well, he's jacked up on the gas. I'm serious. They have created a, a, a marketing machine that literally takes your money and you thank them for it. And you get to come home and say, man, we had fun. They comped our room. The wife got you know, a free buffet. She's got 10 pounds more on her ass after she leaves Vegas. But they don't mention the fact they maxed the credit cards out. And they don't care at that point. It, reality doesn't sink in. They got that comp. See, that's another thing I told you guys a long time ago. If it's free, it's for me. People, man, how free was it? How free? Those drinks weren't free. The TNA, that's just good hiring. That didn't cost nothing. Those girls work on tips. No clocks. You know why? Because when you're in Vegas, you can be anywhere. You, you want to be in New York? You can go to New York in Vegas. It's called New York, New York. You'll feel like you're there. You want to go to Paris? You want to you know, want to go here? Go to the Bellagio. It's incredible. Um, let's talk about... Actually, thinking if I should get into some um, specific um, ideas here as far as um, contrarian stuff. There's so much information that I could run through tonight. Um, I can use one example. I already told you how I handicapped the NFL. Um, and that is basically if you do nothing, forget the stats, forget all that. Every, you know, forget about last year because it doesn't matter. Everybody gets traded. Team that wins the Super Bowl is going to lose three or four players because they're not going to be able to afford them. So uh, if you if you want to beat the NFL, if there are any gamblers out there, and you want a system that is almost virtually guaranteed to 
to probably show a profit if you did nothing else. Find out what the consensus is among Joe Blow, John Q. Public, a.k.a. the Sheep, on every game. And when you find, you know, like nine out of nine of them or ten out of ten like the Eagles, then I'd bet the other team. I don't care. If you're even if you agree with them, bet the other team. If you do it over the course of a year, you will be a winner. That's a contrarian play. Why? It, why? Why would you do that? Well, the public's wrong. If the public was right, they wouldn't be building those casinos. It's common sense. The masses are asses. The masses don't have an original individual thought, which brings us also as a contrarian uh, to the notion of giving any credibility to critics. There are those who do and those who critique. Critics provide absolutely no value whatsoever to society. Because, in essence, they have nothing to offer society but an opinion, and we know about opinions, don't we? Those who, those who can do, do. Those who can't, criticize. Period. Um, going back to the, um, the Ali fight in 1974, for you boxing fans, talk about a contrarian. Um, at that time, Ali was considered past his prime. He was fighting a guy named George Foreman, who was literally knocking out people left and right. I mean, this guy was scary. This was like a young Mike Tyson, but bigger, or a Sonny Liston. And people legitimately were... I mean, this is true, true story. We're legitimately concerned that Foreman might kill Ollie in the ring, literally. When he used to hit the heavy bag in the gym, people would stop because he was split it open. Well, the strategy for Ollie going in was to what? Dance, stick, and move. What did he end up doing? He created a tactic called the rope-a-dope, which meant he laid on the ropes in that hot African sun and let George Foreman beat on his arms and tell George Foreman, who had never gone past three or four rounds very often, was so tired that it was just a matter of time before Ali lands the big straight right hand. And there goes George Foreman. There goes the invincibility. And that was a contrarian strategy. The last thing anybody would have expected the man to do would lay on the ropes against the most devastating puncher in boxing at the time. When the, when, when the public zigs, you should often find a way to zag people. John Templeton. One of the great contrarians of all time, back during the Great Depression, took a small loan and went out and bought a hundred of the ugliest, most despised companies on the exchange. I'll keep the story short. John Templeton uh, 
became rich, uh, those particular stocks actually led America out of the Great Depression. See, it brings to mind the oil spill. Now, up in the Gulf on the east coast of Florida, things weren't, uh, properties were down 50% to begin with. Okay, now you got an oil spill. And what does that do? Now the panic is in. Now the sheep are. Now, I'm telling you, you can pick up some of these. I'm talking, you know, waterside properties in Florida for 30 cents on the dollar. Because the panic's in. Oh, you know, the, I was in Alaska when Exxon Valdez happened. It was horrible, but, but, but it did get cleaned up. And, and so shall this. And right now, the, the, the real estate agents down there, there's a guy, they got him in the clipping here, I'm looking at, and he's standing there, and he's got his hands on his head, and he said, God, it was tough enough just, you know, as it was, and now nobody's showing up to buy. Uh, let me tell you something. There's going to be somebody who shows up to buy, and he's not going to buy one or two. He's probably going to buy the whole friggin' coast. You know why? Because, A, we're going to get out of, you know, when the, the correction turns, which it always does, and the oil gets cleaned up, which it will. You know, people have short memories. Trust me, somebody is going to have a gold mine again. Beachfront property in Florida for 30 cents on the dollar. My, have things changed. I'd say it's a pretty good investment, but the sheep ball, sheep running, that's the beauty of it. The fear creates the opportunity. When 95% of the people are afraid to buy something and, and, and the prices just keep going lower, beautiful. It creates bargains, people. Let's see. So again, main rule is take the road less traveled or follow the you know the the sheep to slaughter. I mean, it's your choice. Um, experts. What exactly is an expert? I mean, what I, I I've never quite figured that out either. It goes back to the Rodney Dangerfield movie, that clip I put up there uh, for or a lot of you who know which part I'm talking about. Uh, you know, they, we talked about critics. Well, you know, there are those who teach and there are those who actually do. And there are a lot of people who teach what they don't do. And that's very pervasive in the Internet marketing world. Um, keep that in mind when you're dealing with experts. See, sheep love experts. And by the way, take become one. Writing a book will make you an expert almost automatically, even if you're dumber than a box of rocks. So I'm saying exploit this stuff. See, I'm sitting here telling you that just because someone writes a book doesn't make, a, make, make them an expert, but in the mind of the majority of the public it does, so therefore why wouldn't you write the book? Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, once you guys figure this stuff out, 
once you figure out that the vast majority of the masses, how they base their opinion and how, you know, how they buy and how they sell, and you step back, you guys can just, you know, you guys, the world is your oyster. But, but, but don't be one of them. Now take gold, for instance, right now. I'm not sure where gold's heading right now. It has some more upside, probably. But you know what I do as a contrarian? I start looking at proximity marketing. Let's think of a few with gold. Gold right now is a, Jesus, 30. I remember everybody laughed at my grandfather. He, I gotta wish he was still alive. They said gold will never go to a thousand an ounce. Well, now it's like 1350 or something. Guess who got it right? White's metal detector. What I love that. I own a white's metal detector, by the way. It's fun as shit. I love it. I pick more, you know, tin cans up than anything else. But, but people are being bombarded by the fact that gold is skyrocketing. White's metal detecting companies, brilliant. They're mentioning that. You know that cool ad where it says it shows you it's in the ground? By the way, on the MX, it's a great detector. But they're playing off it. And believe it or not, there's people who found, in fact, there's actually a gentleman I know up in Alaska who found like an eight, I mean, a huge nugget up there in Alaska with a, his, uh, the same white metal detector I own. But with the price of gold, what a great way to market it. Now, what if you don't own white's metal detecting company? Well, um, you're one of those affiliate marketers or whatever. Go over to ClickBank. I'm just saying. I'm not, I'm not saying that this is the strategy that you want to make your living from, but if you go over to ClickBank right, right now, I guarantee you there's a couple products on there that deal with, you know, gold mining and, and uh, prospecting and everything else. And, by the way, um, I know this to be true because uh, when you reverse engineer your Sunday paper, you're going to notice that, um, well, you might not, but I did about two weeks ago an article about people rushing up to certain places in the country and they're panning and they're mining because of the price of gold. Do you, see, you guys see what I'm saying? It's creating a niche. Gold is $1,350 a friggin' ounce, man. I'm going to show you another. Uh, I'm going to start getting into some specifics you can do because I don't know what I've got here for time. And again, I'm kind of a little all over the place here. So I want to I want to basically give you the philosophy, and then we're going to use like the next couple of shows to give some specifics. But um, you know, again, one of the best things you can do is learn how to reverse engineer your Sunday paper, be a contrarian. Now, I've got a full-page ad here, and it says that the so-and-so roadshow is coming to your town. I bet you guys have seen these. Um, we pay top dollar for, and then it lists everything. It'll say, like, flatware and wind-up toys and bayonets, and I'm reading this whole list. Now, the average sheep reads that, and they're thinking to themselves, huh, I wonder if I have any of that stuff in my attic that I could go sell. You know what I do as a contrarian? I make a list of what it is they buy because if they're buying it and they're running a full page ad which is costing them thousands of dollars I know that everything on that list is something that I could go out and put my own ad in the paper for and get I gave you guys an example once go to Google in quotes type we buy in quotes 
quote, we buy. I came across a funky site. I don't know anything about graphing calculators, but it was interesting to know there is a company that buys them and literally will allow you to punch the model of the Texas Instrument graphing calculator into their computer and will tell you instantly how much they will pay you for it. I did it as a test ran ad on Craigslist, and when it came time to price it, I priced it at slightly less than what this company was offering to buy it for because I know if a company is putting an entire website up saying they buy graphing calculators, they ain't doing it to give it to their kids. They're doing it because most likely these graphing calculators are selling for a whole lot more money than they're paying. So I am now an expert. I believe the site's called usedcalcs.com. See, you reverse engineer it. You're going to see other weird things on there, too, that people actually are buying. You know, I mean, uh, the USA Today, a lot of people call it the paint-by-numbers paper. It's beautiful. I love it because it really gets the public sentiment, man. They don't go too deep. But, I mean, perfect. Uh, here's Here, I'm just going through paper. 51 great burger joints. They list all 50. They list one in each of the... 50 states, and I'm surprised mine's not there because we actually got voted best in the county seven years ago for the uh, blackjack burger. Uh, that's something you could monetize. Um, let's see what else here. Um, oh, here, this is a, a, a talk about a chamber of commerce from hell. Check this one out. The Dundee Chamber of Commerce will host a community forum for Polk Works workforce. Information about services offered will in, include, check this out. This is a Chamber of Commerce, by the way. <clears throat> Food stamps. Welfare transition. Wow. Um, okay. Let's see what else we got here. Oh. Contrarian. Here you go. Golf gold rush. Researchers clamor for cash. This is a story about the oil spill from September 30th. Guess who's getting rich now? Researchers. Researchers that are going out there to check on whales and everything else. It's becoming a booming. There's multiple sources of funding out there. You just have to know how to tap into it. That's what one guy said. Obviously, he's a contrarian. He's right. Uh, one involves basic inquiries, where the oil is gone. In other words, what's happening here is if you're a researcher that has any, um, you know, even probably primitive knowledge about, uh, you know, the oil spill, uh, these people are getting paid and paid well. So once again, somebody else reading this, they're not going to see the picture. They're going to just look at this big blob of oil and um, they're going to miss the boat. Um, it looks like BP is bringing on scientists, researchers, all kinds of people, um, and they are um, got a budget here. It looks like a $500 million. This is right from the Associated Press, by the way. I'm not making this up. Um, let's see what else. As a nation moves on from spill, coast fills coast. Fields abandoned. 
This is an article in the Associated Press by Jay Reeves, uh, Birmingham, Alabama. So the people in Alabama uh, are obviously are pissed off um, as a contrarian, figure out what you can do for them. I'm doing this quick. Here's an interesting one. Attracting educated, affluent clientele. Secondhand surge. Resale shops have grown by 7% in the last year. Okay? Now, the average person is going to read that, and they're going to probably look at what, you know, their location. I'm looking at that as something very interesting because, you know, we're supposed to be in this horrible economy. Here's something that actually grew. Um, Andy Warhol painting, Re- uh, the record amount of auction uh, taken in by uh, Sotheby's here, it looks like, $190 million, way above forecast. Um, again, here's an interesting one. Black Americans risk skin cancer from too much sun. Now, as a contrarian, what could you do with that? It's funny, in the same paper the next week, they have another article, and it's by a different reporter saying applying sunscreen correctly is important. There's two articles. Black Americans risk skin cancer from too much sun. Another one. Do you guys see where I'm going with this? Instead of reading it, I mean, as marketers, you guys need to start looking at that stuff because you can use this as, um, you know, positioned access. Uh, I love this one. Mortgage rates at 50-year lows, yet home market seems listless. Um, Another one. Uh, Oh, here. Storage units are where the auction is. That's a play on words. Okay, storage units, that's because of the economy, basically people are, you know, the storage auctions, you guys have heard of them. Unfortunately, guess what, probably not a good play right now. Back when I did storage auctions, there might be five people. You go to one now, you might find 25 people. It's not the same deal. However, you can still monetize it. Here's another one in the paper. We buy, and then it lists everything they buy and gives you the exact, you know, they're looking for Datejust Rolex. They're looking for Sumba Reader. Whenever you see a, an ad that's full page and it starts listing, listing rather specific items that they're buying, don't sell it to them. Go do your own research. Those full-page ads, those television spots, they are expensive. You are not going to get a good deal, but you yourself can run the same ad. The classified ad section, I can't say it enough. Go to the classified ad section. My friend wanted a Bowflex. He kept looking on Craigslist. Every time one would get up there semi-cheap, somebody would buy it. He, I finally told him, go get, grab the, uh, you know, the, the, the news chief. He picked up a Bowflex, brand new, and they are not cheap, by the way, that exercise machine, for $75. I don't think it's stolen because it would be hard to pull that out of somebody's back friggin' window. But you know where he found it? In the classified. And I think it costs a person $5 to place the ad. See, uh, the contrarians look in the classified ad. Because anybody that's going to waste their time and jerk around and spend time and money and calling in an ad probably is not Internet savvy. It's like watching uh, Pawn Stars, that show. It breaks my heart because people are walking in there because they're too lazy to realize that 
they, I mean, I see things that they are just, I mean, they, they could they could stick on eBay. Even if they don't have an account, they could get an eBay power seller to do it for them. It's amazing. Why would anybody take some of the stuff you see on that show to a pawn shop? And by the way, pawn shop, you want to talk about a reality check, contrarians? You want to know what your stuff's really worth? Go there. In any case, we are going to touch on a lot of different things relating to the contrarian philosophy because, you know, you guys have got to break away from the herd. Oh, somebody asked me about the strippers. Um, it's funny. Brian McLeod, my copywriter, came up with philosophy about the whole Vegas fence thing. It's funny because I think it, 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 it is not. It, it is a pattern that I have noticed uh, with me. As far as the strippers, what was my technique? Very simple. I wasn't a trick. See, a lot of guys walk into a strip club, they start handing them $100 bills, and they think that's going to get them uh, laid. It's not going to get them laid. It's not going to get them a date. It is going to get them screwed, however, because they're going to go have to go home and explain to their wife why they just dropped $900 and didn't get to first base. Uh, my, my strategy was always different. I would come back in with my cell phone, sit in the back of the room, look very disinterested but well-dressed, average-looking guy. The girl would come up, say, can I give you a lap dance? I'd say, no, that's all right, sweetie, I appreciate it. Um, if you feel like a drink, I'd buy, I'll buy you a drink or something. And then I, I wouldn't even, you know, I'm not looking at a rack. I'm not looking at anything else. It drove them crazy. Rapport never sat down there, told her she looked, you know, oh, my God, you look beautiful, blah, blah, blah. I, I no, no bullshit. I, <laughs> I pulled more strippers out of strip clubs than you can imagine just by being contrarian just by not even acknowledging the fact that the chick's walking up there with, you know, nothing but uh, dental floss, you know. Now, to me, it's just a waste of time, and, you know, it was back in the old days, but uh, that that's how I did it. That's actually the technique. Uh, start looking at the back of old magazines like Popular Science. Go find... Find a new one, but find an old one. Popular science, popular mechanics. Some of the most brilliant ideas are from inventors. Inventors are horrible marketers, people. I've got an old popular science I'm looking at the back of. There are some cool little products in the classified section back there that you could go and run with. These people are probably, it could be the next Einstein back there. I'm talking like little like hovercraft and stuff that's so cool that you could turn around, reposition, make a ton of money off of. But nobody wants to do that, you know, because the sheep don't even bother to look back there half the time. You know, they're looking at the big ad on the write-up of the new supersonic of the future or whatever else. I'm telling you, Classifieds are gold. If you want to find something, I could go through a classified uh, page in a small town. And uh, last week we picked up, I think my mom got about $800 worth of Fiesta wear, which I guess is dishes, for um, what amounted to $50. Now, had that hit eBay or Craigslist, you would have never got a shot. Okay? Contrarians go the road less travel. We go where the masses aren't. When they buy, we sell. When they sell, we buy. That's how it's done. Stop reading the paper and taking it to heart. 
When you find somebody who protests too much, classic sheep. Oh, let's run the hookers out of New York. And he says it a few too many times. Rest assured, he's shacking up with a hooker. Case in point, former governor of New York, Elliot Spitzer. Find somebody who talks a little too much about the gays. Don't be surprised if they get busted in a men's room doing something naughty. Senator Craig. And the list goes on and on. Okay? That's another one of little life's lessons. Shakespeare said that line. Thou protest too much. You get a little too little too uh, passionate about something that's negative, and generally it's <laughs> suppressed guilt. Seen it many, many times. Set your own trend. This country was founded by contrarians. Another great contrarian to research, Jim Rogers. His book's called Adventure Capitalist. The man started out with $600, retired at age 37 with more money than he could spend in a lifetime. George Soros, famous for you people in the U.K., for shorting the British pound and made a billion dollars in a day back in 1992. They called it Black Wednesday. He was a contrarian. Oops. They were buying, apparently he was selling. <laughs> Reverse engineer the paper. Look at the big picture. Dosekis. What a great ad. When you see something running over and over, don't just sit there and you know, scratch your head. Ask yourself why it's running. You know why you keep seeing that Dosekis ad? I don't often drink beer, but when I do, I prefer Dosekis. You know why? Because sales are up 26%. Fact. And it is a cool commercial. But that doesn't mean shit. Numbers don't lie. It's up 26%. The guy basically is, you know, a knockoff of the Hemingway, Castro, or, or, or whatever. It's a great, great ad. And then at the end, he's sitting with two hot chicks. Every 50-, 60-year-old dude in the world is wanting a bottle of Dos because he thinks he's going to end up climbing mountains, swimming with the sharks, and ending up going to bed with Paris and Nikki Hilton or whoever those two chicks are. Okay. Manufacture. Don't be afraid to have some guts. Don't be afraid to report Bigfoot crawling through your backyard, okay? Not going to go to jail for it. You know that grainy... You know, notice how all, all these, uh, you know, these photos of this and that. You, you know what the greatest one of all is? The ghost hunting shows. Shot like that Paris Hilton porn video. Now, you can, as a contrarian, sit there and enjoy the show with some popcorn, or you can be proactive and use that and realize that the public's clamoring for it, realize that it's Halloween. Can't sell your house? What if it's a haunted house? Boy, it wouldn't make it hard. I used to, uh, you know, be a practicing magician. I was never, you know, studied it, but I mean, I, I, I used to watch the magicians. You think maybe a haunted house might actually sell? Think it might get a little publicity? Even if uh, perhaps it was more illusion than uh, actually a ghost? Uh, it might be black hat. I don't know. I can't tell you why the, uh, you know, why the rocking chair is rocking and nobody's in it. But 
other than the fact I got fishing line tied to the back of it, and I've got it filmed and grainy, you know, and a lot of screaming going on from the girlfriend. I mean, to sum it all up, people, 95% of the world out there are followers. Don't be one of them, because you'll, 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 you'll end up following them right off the cliff. Have the balls to walk your own path, create your own dreams, and sit back and watch and observe and laugh, because it's, it's, half this shit's really funny when you really start dissecting it. Look for gold where other people walk over, you know, like the classified section. Okay, look for opportunities in places that people just flat out, oh, no way. Let me tell you something. They're not making any more beachfront property in Florida. It will come back. And right now, you can come in here. I've got hookups here in Florida. Property is, uh, it's scary how cheap some of this is going. Anyway. Just wanted to uh, touch on a few things, and we are going to get real specific with some stuff you guys can do. And, um, oh, somebody asked me about football. Contrarian. I know one of you out there is a coach. The most important part about a football team, I know you're all going to say quarterback, running back, blah, blah, blah. The great teams are the ones with a great offensive line. You know those guys that you never hear their names unless they get called? For a holding penalty. Show me a team with a great offensive line, and you can take me and put me at quarterback, and I might be able to win you a game because you're going to give me time to throw the ball and find somebody open. Dare to be different, everybody. Differentiate or die. May you live to see the dawn. May all your dreams come true, and may you always remain forever young. Go out there when they zig, zag. Love and peace. Good night.